Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to this episode of 1514. It's a pleasure to have you with us. If you're brand new to the podcast, we encourage you to go back in our archives and check out some of our previous interviews. If you've been listening for any amount of time, we really appreciate that and encourage all of you to jump online, tell other people about 1514 as well as the other ministry outlets of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Today, I'm joined by another one of our BCC council members, Paul Touches. Uh, He serves as the pastor of Cornerstone Community Church in Mayfield Heights, Ohio, adjunct professor in various places. He's certified with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and he has helped contribute to over 50 books and many books. Uh, One of those we're going to get to talk about today, but I'm going to highlight a couple others as we go along as well. So, Paul, thanks so much for joining us today on 1514. Oh, it's great to be with you, Curtis. I so appreciate you and your leadership and the ministry of the BCC. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you as, as well as all of our council members, but I really, uh, since since I've gotten to know you the past few years, my love and appreciation for you has grown tremendously. And I'm, uh, what we're talking about today is one of those areas where I really saw the Lord using you in my life and the lives of others. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you about that today. But for those who don't know you, could you introduce yourself to our audience a little bit more beyond just your what you're doing and, and the things that you've done? Yeah, uh, well, the Lord uh, brought me to himself in the spring of 1984. I was raised in a religious home, and so I knew... Uh, religion, but I didn't know anything about what it meant to have a relationship with the Lord. I was raised in a works-based religion, and um, at the age of 19, through a a home Bible study in the Gospel of John, uh, the Lord graciously opened my eyes and helped me to see that it wasn't about religion, but it was about how to uh, become right with God, which was already provided for me through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit graciously uh, caused me to uh, see Christ and to be born again. And and that started a whole new journey um, for me. And um, within a few months, I met uh, Karen, who was then to become my wife. And so we've been married uh, 34 years now, and the Lord's blessed us with uh, 10 children. Five of them are married. So we've got five wonderful um, sons and daughters-in-law, and uh, as well as um, six grandchildren and, and two more on the way. So we have a full life, a busy life, mm. um, filled with family and uh, ministry, and the Lord has been abundantly gracious to us, and He continues to be. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, in, in your life. And a couple of years ago, you shared a lot of personal testimony at the BCC Summit in 2017, where we were talking about disability and biblical counseling and how those two things uh, overlap and necessarily work together and come together. Um, and yeah, just really appreciated your heart and transparency and willing to share there. Uh, and then today, what we're talking about is actually 
a, a few resources and one in a compilation of those resources that kind of flowed out of those types of conversations. Uh, and it's something called the Family Disability Toolkit. Could you could you tell our audience what uh, what this excellent resource is and a little bit about it? Yeah, it's really meant to be kind of a starting uh, kit to introduce churches and church leaders to the world of disability that is already present in their churches, whether they realize it or not. Mm. And then as a resource for them then to use uh, in further ministering and discipling the people in their churches um, whose families are affected by disability. Um, and so the, the toolkit is, is uh, really kind of the brainchild of um, uh, one of our uh, friends in the BCC, Dave Duell, who works for Johnny and Friends and who is, he and his wife have lived in the world of disability for over 30 years. And just in the providence of the Lord through that BCC summit uh, in December of 2017, when there were a handful of people that came from Johnny and Friends, including Johnny Erickson Tata and her uh, husband, Ken Tata. Um, and, and we got to talk about the great privilege of how to bring um, the ministries of biblical counseling and disability uh, together because they are ministries that really need each other. Um, and uh, so for three years, you know, we've been working on developing some resources that would begin to meet the needs of people uh, who are affected by disability, beginning in this starter toolkit with the main relationships that are challenged um, by disability, which, you know, disability is a form of suffering, um, but it applies kind of extra pressure in certain areas of life and relationships is certainly one of them. And so in this toolkit, uh, there's a mini book uh, about the pressures of marriage and and um, having a child with a disability and a grandchild with his disability and siblings with disabilities. Um, and, and those are all meant to apply uh, the truths of Scripture, the glory of God, the love of Christ, the sufficiency of his word uh, to the challenging situations that uh, people find themselves in. So uh, we, we are really hoping and praying that the Lord will get these resources into the hands of many people, uh, starting with pastors and elders and um, disability ministry leaders, so that then they can be spread through the church and given to the people who really live with this uh, day in and day out. Yeah. No, it's really helpful. I was really excited because I've seen the, you know, individually some of these resources coming out and I loved how you and Dave and Shepherd's Press and others work together to, to compile it into this toolkit. Uh, and people can actually go on our website right now, depending on when you're listening to this. And on our homepage, there's a link straight to the disability uh, toolkit there. Um, one of those one of the key resources in there is actually a book that you you wrote and had contributions from Johnny Erickson Tata called When Disability Hits Home, How God Mag- Magnifies His Grace in Our Weakness and Suffering. Um, can you tell everybody what led you to write that book specifically? Yes. Um, well, it's actually been almost 10 years now. It'll be 10 years in April when 
the idea for this book was conceived. Um, I was at a pastor's conference and a publisher approached me about writing on the topic of disability because he knew a little bit about our family history. And um, that then led to a conversation I had with uh, a gentleman who works for Desiring God Ministries and also has a son with uh, disabilities. And and we just got to talking and the Lord just knit our hearts together. And, um, and this man <laughs> just boldly said, Paul, I think, uh, given our conversation, I think you need to preach a series of sermons on disability. And I think eventually you need to write a book on that. Mm. Well, that was almost 10 years ago. And, and uh, it's been kind of in and out of work. And it was began as a sermon series to my local church um, in Wisconsin. It was very well received. And, um, and then it was just kind of put on the back burner for a while just due to providential things in our lives and ministry and family. And, and then it was, it was somewhat resurrected, um, in 2017, um, as there were a number of people at Johnny and friends who had listened to that, uh, that sermon series that I had Mm -hmm. done many years ago. Um, and they said, you know what, we still think that some of the, uh, most helpful stuff we've ever heard on disability um, ministry is from that series. And, and so that kind of reignited, um, uh, fanned the flame, so to speak, to, to finish this project. And then um, Johnny Erickson Tata uh, was, was so gracious to also then come on board and say, hey, um, I'd love to be a part of that project too. So it, essentially what it is, is it's a primer on how to think biblically about disability and suffering and what God is up to in the midst of it, um, how his goodness and providence uh, work together in our lives to bring him glory and to show us uh, how he really does long to be strong for us uh, in our in our weakness. Mm. And um, so the subtitle of the book is how God magnifies his grace in our weakness and suffering. And the whole point of it is to lay a foundation for us to think biblically about disability as a form of suffering. Mm -hmm. And then building upon that foundation, we have all these uh, more topic specific mini books that uh, we want to get into the hands of those who are struggling in particular areas um, of their life. So it's, it's bringing biblical counseling, which we know is, is intensive discipleship. It's the personal application of the word of God to people's lives. It's bringing that into the homes and the lives of people who are impacted by disability. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that. And I really appreciate the way, just the wisdom behind the way you guys approached the books and the topics that you were going to address. Cause I think even, even when we met and we were talking about meeting in, in December of 2017, there are so many um, peculiar places we could go and you could focus on a particular type of disability or a particular uh, branch. You know, we talked about the differences of physical, mental, all these mm-hmm. different disabilities, but to really one, like you said, the primer on recognizing God's plan in it, and then the relational aspect of those resources. So it doesn't, 
fewer people will be able to say, well, that doesn't really apply to me, or that doesn't really apply to me. It was They're broad enough to say, yeah, if my sibling has a disability, that's going to impact me and my life and my family, my home life, everything in a particular way, but it doesn't matter what that specific disability is. It's So anyway, I just really appreciated that wisdom yeah. uh, in, in approaching it that way. Uh, what was the experience like working with with Johnny, every time I've interacted with her, it's just been such a delight. And I'm curious what it was like to write with her. I, I just think probably the the best adjective is just pleasant. Hmm. Um, she's just such a joyful, gracious person. And, and it was so easy uh, to work with her hmm. and um, for her to, you know, I, I had the theological uh, pillars of truth that, uh, that we believed were important to to establish this solid foundation for people um, to think through disability and suffering biblically. But um, and I had you know a, a number of personal illustrations from my life and our family mm-hmm. um, to warm up the theology, so to speak. Um, but yeah, Johnny, having lived as a quadriplegic now for 50 years, um, you know, she's got a well that, that just never seems to run dry of, of just personal, uh, connections and in her own life or people that she has met because of the ministry the Lord has Mm -hmm. given to her. And, and so what her contribution to the book is she closes each chapter with, uh, a couple pages of personal reflection, um, and 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 taking the the, the key theological truths uh, in a chapter and showing how they really come alive in either her life or the life of someone uh, that she knows who struggles with disability, and and two, you know, because Johnny's passion and the and the the mission of Johnny and Friends is to come alongside local churches um, and to equip local churches to minister to the people uh, in their lives, uh, in their churches who are affected by disability. Because that's really, that's ultimately where we want these resources to go, mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is into the churches. Because Disability isn't a private thing. It's not an individual matter. It's not an individual yeah. issue. It's a church body issue. Yeah. And, and um, you know, all of our churches have people with disabilities in them. Um, and, and, if, and if a church doesn't have anyone, um, either they're just really not conscious of what's going on in their people's lives, or I have to say they're really missing out because... Uh, people with disabilities bring something to the life of a local church that is, in the words of Paul in First Corinthians 12, uh, is indispensable. Mm-hmm. They, their presence in our churches is indispensable. Uh, their contribution to the proper functioning of the body of Christ is indispensable. Yeah. Um, and so that those passions, you know, my passion for biblical counseling and personal ministry of the word and, and Johnny's passion for theology that, that really meets people where they live and, and her passion for churches to really get it, to think uh, biblically and compassionately about disability. It was just a, 
it was something that the the Lord, only the Lord could have providentially put together, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And that's why it's neat to see the timing of the Lord, you know, um, for a project to take as long as it did from conception to birth um, <laughs> as a long time. But you know what? It wouldn't be what it is today had yeah. there not been those and stops and delays and, um, you know, and, and so we're just really praying the Lord will use it in a wonderful way. Yeah. Well, that's a good, I mean, that's a good word for all aspiring authors. And I had a professor in our doctoral program, which was kind of ironic because we're all being forced to write a book, right? Basically uh, say, (laughs) say you shouldn't ever write anything until you're older 50. Uh, And he was saying it kind of tongue in cheek, but just the reality of the value, the depth, the warmth, uh, that comes from stewing on something for a long time is just going to make it that much yeah. richer. And uh, so, and in, in God's providence and timing, he did have you stew on it for 10 years. And I'm, I'm thankful just for the sake of having been able to to hear and, and, and see it come to fruition too. Uh, but I'm sure it is just that much richer a resource. So um you mentioned you hit on a number of things I want to ask about, but I'm going to, and so we'll come back to a few things that you said in that statement there. Cause there were a lot, uh, a lot, but I wanted to maybe follow my train of thought. So I don't lose it a little bit here. Um, who, who would you recommend these sources to? I'm going to maybe broaden that in, the, in a little bit, but what, when you were writing and when Dave uh, and you and Johnny were working on this, you mentioned the churches, but are there specific people you think that these these resources are are aimed at? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know the the audience that is being written to, you know, is the is the person um, and the persons, the families that are being impacted by the disabilities. Mm. So the marriage that's being impacted, the husband and the wife. The, the parents who are who have just received news that um, <clears throat> that their baby has a disability um, that is most likely going to be a lifelong challenge, and they're wondering how do I how do I work this out in my thinking and my theology mm. and as far as God is concerned, and then just how do I practically, um, you know, be faithful to God to raise this child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord or, or a friendship in the church, you know, um, let's say a teen, you know, gets into a car accident and, and now is going to be uh, disabled in some way uh, the rest of their life. How can I be a friend to that mm. person um, and, and just be there to help to encourage their walk with Christ? And, and as a, as a grandparent, you know, um, in the in the mini book, my grandchild has a disability. Um, how how does a grandchild come alongside the parents to assist, but yet not take over mm. um, and fall back into some kind of parental role that really isn't theirs anymore? Yeah. Um, or or you know you've got a sibling that's got a disability. Um, how do how do you embrace the disability with that person um, as a gift from the Lord? to strengthen your relationship and help you to grow in the Lord. So ultimately, you know, the, the person who the person's closest to the disability, um, they're the audience, Mm -hmm. but the delivery system of how we get these to people 
we believe is going to be most effective um, if if they're given first to church leaders and church leaders first look at them, at least read a few of them, um, catch the vision and help them to see that that as they bring these resources into the lives of the people in their churches, what they're saying, they're not simply handing them a book saying, here's a book for you to read because I think it'll help you. But by personally delivering those resources to that family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying, we're here for you. Yeah. This is this is not a family issue. This is not an individual. This is a church body issue. And that's why, you know, um, the, the last chapter in the book, When Disability Hits Home, is called Doing Life Together in Community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it's an explanation of the, the theology and the philosophy of ministry of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 and and how um, how disability is a tremendous blessing to churches and how churches then, uh, by embracing disability as a gift from the Lord, as we're, we're called to receive all, suf- all forms of suffering, you know, from the hands of a good God, um, how then does that bring uh, a tremendous blessing into the lives of the people who are wrestling day in and day out with these challenges? Because it can just be downright exhausting, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and discouraging. And so, yeah, the particular audience, you know, that these are written to is pretty clear in the title of, uh, of each mini book, you know, help my friend has a disability or help my sibling has a disability. So it's, it's the people who are directly um, ministering to the person yeah. uh, or the persons who have the disabilities. But again, hoping, praying that it goes uh, beyond that um, and is perhaps even received by the church first and then brought into the lives of people. You know, as people begin to, as churches begin to catch the vision of God for disability ministry, not as a separate ministry Mm -hmm. of their church in a separate building where, okay, we'll, we, we pat ourselves on the back and I don't mean to, to be demeaning in any way, but there's, we can we can compartmentalize ministry in such a way that we feel good that we're doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, God's vision for disability ministry is is inclusive. Is inclusive. Um, there's enough isolation already in the life of a person with disabilities. The, the church needs to be that loving, gracious community. Yeah. And how can we do that wisely and effectively to the glory of God? That's really the passion behind all of these resources. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I really appreciate the way you said that and phrased it, that we we obviously want it to get into the hands of the people uh, who it's directly written to, but we really want the the avenue of transmission to be through the church because that will draw those people into the church either maybe for the first time or into a deeper and more intimate way. But I also think the church needs to, and and to that end, I I just want to let our partners know and the BCC council members know too, we're going to be reaching out to you all with a special coupon or coupon code. We're working out all the logistics and details and 2020 has kind of slowed that down a little bit. Uh, But we want each of you to have a free uh, toolkit so that you 
can get it, understand it, know it, and then and then hopefully be encouraged to to buy more to distribute to people in your church who really need them. Uh, so be on the lookout for that if you're a BCC partner or council member. Uh, but also, one of the things I was thinking as you were talking and reflecting on the, my last conversation with Johnny, uh, we talked about the fact that the church miss it broadly. I, I'm sure some some churches do this well, but broadly speaking, we we have failed to dis, in our discipleship of people prepare them to suffer well. And yes. uh, I think while your book, When Disability Hits Home, might not trigger on somebody's radar for that, the, the, the premise that you have of key theological truths of how to understand God's intention for suffering and disability is a way of, of really practically doing that, of really helping pastors, church leaders, and then churches understand Suffering is going. It, it happens. It's it. It's going to happen in the life of every single person. And I know there are other resources out there. Paul Tripp's book on suffering and others. I, I appreciate. I appreciate the the broadening literature on that. Contemporary literature on that. But I know from hearing you preach on this and speak on this um, that your book it would be a great resource for churches to do that. So I just want everybody to hear. Don't think this is just great. Oh, I'm going to get this, and it's going to help the people in our in our church family who have disabilities. It's going to help the church. It's going to help the church leaders. It's going to help anybody who reads it to really prepare for and understand and appreciate and maximize the suffering that we have, as Paul says in, in Romans 5. Like, we can learn to exalt in our tribulations, and that's just... Uh, yeah, yes. something we need. And, more and, I, and I think that word prepare that you've used several times it is so crucial because the only way that our the people in our churches are going to be prepared well for suffering is if the leaders are prepared well for suffering. Mm. And, and if they then are preparing the people. So that's why, again, we're hoping that these resources will will find their way into church leadership teams where perhaps a team of elders, you know, or deacons would read through some of these together. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, or if they're thinking of starting a disability ministry that before they get to the practical how to's that they would think through it biblically and theologically first, Mm, because then the how to's are not going to be programmatic they're going to be personal, loving, compassionate um, connections with people where they are at. Yeah, yeah. Disability is a beautiful thing for the church because it is disability ministry doesn't fit into programmatic structures that the American church loves. Mm-hmm. You know, American church <laughs> just loves a simple program that you can buy. And you can just implement it in your church. And all you have to do is recruit the people to run it. Yeah, That doesn't work with disability ministry because you've got to think through it theologically, biblically, compassionately from the heart of God toward people who are suffering. And then you have the proper kind of solid basis, but a flexibility in the methodology, which is so crucial. Mm. 
um, when we are ministering to people who are suffering. So I love your word prepared. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping the Lord will will use these resources to do. And if 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 there are pastors listening to this podcast who who are thinking, you know, we, we don't have any people in our church with disabilities. Well, if you don't, I guarantee you will at some point. And yeah. so there's no better time to prepare than now um, so that uh, the Lord then will begin to send you people who are all alone and perhaps have no fellowship at all. And they desperately need a local church that will love them in a Christ-like, compassionate, understanding way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's um, that time we had together in 2017 with Johnny and you you shared and, and Steve Weyer shared, a number of others shared, uh, has been really transformative in a, uh, for me and really pivotal, and I know a lot of people's lives. And one thing that stands out to me is just this, time that we had after one of the talks where we broke up into our small groups and we're praying. And one of the council members uh, who's really well known, I'm not going to say his name because I haven't asked permission to, but uh, everybody would know him and he's a huge, uh, just great friend of mine and mentor, um, was just physically actually weeping uh, in prayer of repentance to the Lord for having just not seen the the people mm. with disabilities in his community and, and in his church and and not mm. actively reaching out in love. And I will never forget that moment as long as the Lord allows mm. my brain to function right. Cause it's it was so so um yeah, just so meaningful and so impactful. Uh but and I and I don't want some other pastor have to wait 10, 15, 20 years and then get yeah. hit with something and just think, man. Uh, so you've kind of hit on it already and you mentioned a number of things to that pastor who doesn't think that there are people with disabilities in his church. Um, any other any other words for those church leaders who either aren't aware of the disability, people with disabilities that are in their congregation already or um, maybe actually don't have some because they're, they're not particularly welcome and open to uh, and, a, and, a, and receptive to people with disabilities. Yeah, I would say, you know, just begin to really pray and seek the Lord um, <clears throat> and to open their eyes to the needs in their community. Um, mm. People with disabilities is, is um, one of the largest unreached people groups in our world, um, no matter where we live. And so, um, perhaps they need to do some research in their community and um, and start to make some personal connections with people um, who work in, in the social services and um, agencies and things like that, where uh, there are so many wonderful resources that are provided through our tax dollars uh, for families with disability. Um, but then to be, you know, begin to just really prepare by, you know, let's say getting the toolkit, reading through some of these things, praying over that, um, talking with, you know, what the Lord often does is you, there's a, there's a handful of people in a local church. You start talking about the need. Mm -hmm. Um, and somehow the Lord in his providence, you know, brings it to their attention and, 
even if the church leaders themselves are not on the same page and not even thinking about disability ministry yet, I think it's wonderful for that small handful of people to start meeting and praying, perhaps reading through, you know, uh, the, this book together and, and, and praying through how would the Lord um, develop this kind of a culture. Mm. It's, it's not so much a disability ministry as much as it is, uh, I refer to it as a disability-friendly culture in our churches. Um, and, and that's really where, where I'm at. That's where Johnny's at. That's where Johnny and Friends really wants to, to, to be a help to two churches. Um, so there are so many resources already available. None of us in our churches need to reinvent the wheel. We just mm-hmm. need God to light a fire under us and light a fire within us, a fire of compassion um, for people who are suffering. And um, God is going to do a wonderful thing, you know, as he builds his church. And uh, again, like I said before, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, the church is not complete if it does not have members who are weak. Mm -hmm. Um, And from an outward perspective, perhaps can't contribute a whole lot. Uh, from the way we might look at it from a human perspective, but they are absolutely essential to the proper functioning of the church. Yeah. Uh, Because we are strongest when we are weakest. We know that theologically, but we don't really act it out in our ministry all that often. Yeah. Could you, could you make that, bring that to flesh a little bit more? One of the things I really appreciated and loved and was, uh, personally, I mean, honestly, just convicted and challenged by when we were preparing for the summit and then having the summit was actually starting the conversation with the joy of disability and then also making sure we ended on a high note too and just really talking a lot. I, I heard so many people talking about the benefits that are available yes. to the church and to other Christians when we embrace and, and acknowledge and, and take advantage of the people with disabilities in our midst, because so so often our focus is on the the negative, whatever the disability is, and we're thinking about how we need to alleviate that or minister to that or minister to the person, whatever, that we forget and, and actually just are blind, surprised by the many benefits and blessings that come through the fellowship and inclusion of people with disabilities in our church. Could you talk a little bit about that or share even some stories? Cause I, that helps, I think, put flesh to it for people. Yeah. I think that just the joy that we in Christ, you know, are able to have even in the midst of our suffering um, is something obviously that only the Holy spirit really can produce. But but practically speaking, you know, we can we can cultivate that kind of atmosphere uh, in our churches. You know, I, I can honestly say that when the Lord moved our family here to Ohio, um, you know, we were feeling somewhat alone in that world. Um, having uh, four of our children were born with uh, congenital hearing uh, disabilities, and one of them, uh, who's now sixteen, she is. Um, intellectually um, uh, delayed and disabled, and she is autistic. And, and, and when we first visited this church that, that the Lord seemed to be leading us to, 
um, we were immediately met by um, some families who were in, in our same situation. Mm. Um, and there was such a joy um, uh, among them. And, and they were able to minister to our hearts and just encourage us in, in their acceptance of us. Um, acceptance is a really big thing because our culture, you know, doesn't really outwardly accept people who are needy or weak or, um, you know, maybe from an outward perspective, don't contribute as much to society in, as others. And that's just wrong. That's just a thoroughly unbiblical way to think. And so when a, when a family with disabilities comes into a church, they ought to experience something that's remarkably different um, from what they already live with day in and day out in the church, uh, in the world. Um, but, you know, I've met families who um, have not been received well in local churches. We are good friends with a family in another state who was actually, he was a leader in the church and he was asked to leave. Uh, their family was asked to leave the church because their autistic sons were, were just too much for the church to handle. And um, God in his grace, you know, used that to give birth to uh, a wonderful disability-friendly culture in a different church. Um, but there's a joy that comes from the simplicity of knowing and loving Christ. You know, I think of what Paul you know, was so grieved of in Corinth and, and his heart, his joy was being robbed because there were people uh, in the church in Corinth who were moving away from the simplicity of Christ. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's one thing that people with disabilities bring into our lives, especially those who, who have intellectual or uh, functional kinds of disabilities there's such a simplicity to their love for the Lord um, that it really puts some of us to shame. I mean, when I, mm. when I put my 16-year-old autistic daughter to bed at night and she gets her, her half hour to just be alone um, before, you know, the lights are turned out, she's always, <laughs> night after night, she's sitting there on her bed singing through a hymnal, total monotone voice, and but such simple joy that's coming from her. Um, or she's reading another chapter in her Jesus Storybook Bible, or she's watching some Jesus video for the 150th time. Um, it's, it's just, there's a simplicity of love for Christ that I think that many of us who have known the Lord uh, for a longer period of time have kind of lost. Um, and I think our churches need that. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Well, thank you, brother, for sharing that. Uh, if people want to find out more about your, your ministry and different outlets, your writing, podcasting, other things like that, where can they go to connect with you more? Yeah, the main hub would be my my blog that I've been doing for Oh, it'll be 10 years uh, this year, um, counselingoneanother.com. That would be the main hub. Um, there are other places where I write, but um, everything pretty much 
originates there. Um, so there's connections there to the, the books I've written, the mini books that I've edited, um, different um, audio teaching or sermon files or seminars that can all be found uh, on that website, counselingoneanother.com. That's great. And we'll be sure to put our uh, the a connection to that in our show notes. So if you're listening, you can jump over there on your podcast feed and, and find Counseling One Another there. Well, brother, we uh, it's been a little bit longer. I appreciate you hanging in there with us. I, I just was enjoying the conversation so much I let it go a little longer than normal. I uh, hope you don't mind. And uh, but we do. I do want to close out with our our traditional two minute favorites. Just a fun way for people to get to know you a little bit better. Are you you ready for this? I will be as brief as I can be. Well, you got two minutes, whether you're brief or long. Right. So doesn't, you use okay. your time. All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, what is your favorite food? Fish. Favorite gift you've Fish ever received. Favorite. A leather recliner from my wife. She had saved up forever to buy it for me. Mm. Favorite gift ever given? Uh, I think a surprise plane ticket to my wife for her to visit our oldest daughter in another state. Mm. Favorite word? Beautimous. Mm. Least favorite word? I love I love that word. <laughs> uh, what's your least favorite word? Yeah, what's your least favorite word? Least favorite word would be like. <laughs> you know, like it's used in our culture. Uh-huh. I want to like do this, or I want to like do that. I want to like to. I always say to my kids, "Do you want to like do it, or do you want to do it?" <laughs> favorite book of the Bible. <laughs> Psalms. Uh, favorite book outside of Scripture. Brothers Karamazov. Favorite color. Green. Favorite sport. Softball. Favorite sports team? Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Favorite uh, Bible verse? Colossians one twenty-eight. Mm. Uh, favorite candy? Dark chocolate. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Favorite animal? Uh, horse. Uh, if you had any superpower, what superpower would you choose? I would want to be able to fly, but I would want to be able to fly invisibly. Okay. <laughs> so flying invisible. Invisibility flying. All right. Favorite uh, <laughs> favorite movie? Lord of the Rings. If your mother were to describe you in one word, what word would she use? Thinker. All right. Well, that is two minutes. Paul Touches, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Oh, it's totally been a joy. Thanks, Curtis. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.